Hello and welcome to the Weekend Booktopian, the podcast where a few booktopians get together each week to talk book news, share what they've been reading, and then face off in a deathly round of book trivia that we like to call book fight. I am Olivia Frico, senior content producer and editor of the Booktopian blog, and I am delighted to be your host again this week. Joining me today is our brand and content manager, Mark Harding. Hi, Mark. Hi, Liv. I'm very excited to be here. I This is my first time on the show since I left as host, so do a good job. I'm judging you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for siphoning off, your work, siphoning off your work to us, Mark. Really appreciate it. It's called delegating. It's what all efficient <laughs> managers do. <laughs> Noted. Um, we also have Joe Lewin on the line, who is our head of trade product. Hi, Joe. Hi, Olivia. I'm very pleased that you're taking over because I'm hoping that the, um, the book fight questions will be like just better. I've had great feedback on my book fight questions. Excellent. I Not feel from like these your, two. <laughs> your, um, your idea of interesting trivia is very different to Mark's. <laughs> <laughs> I am feeling so very good right now. <laughs> <laughs> how about you, Mark? Feeling good? Look, uh, for, the, for the past few months, all I've heard is feedback about how horrible I am at, at <laughs> giving you trivia questions. So whatever. Well, you just have very specific taste. Yes, and very limited, <laughs> very limited knowledge. Oh, don't worry, Mark. There's a sci-fi question. And your question your knowledge, the the Venn diagram between your book taste and my book taste <laughs> is like two separate circles. Yeah, it's, it's two yeah. different circles. Yeah. Yeah, totally. They're just completely different circles. Yeah. So it's nothing. It's nothing wrong with the questions per se. They just are no good for me. <laughs> is this the weekend booktopian or just pile on Mark session? Because I'm down for both. Yeah. No, I no. was backpedaling a little bit. <laughs> Okay, and our final guest this week is Nick Wasiliev, social media specialist. Hi, Nick. Yeah, I'm, I'm here too, by the way. Hey, yeah, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like a content team special. Feet Joe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. All right, so shall we get into it? Um, on to the news. It was a quiet time in the book world up until about yesterday morning. Uh, when Facebook proceeded with its uh, threat to stop Australian users of the platform from accessing and sharing news, uh, in response to... Not just to threat, the- though. Not just threat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was in response to the proposed Australian laws that would make tech and media companies negotiate over payment for news content. Mark, would you love to share how this wonderful move has affected Booktopia and many other people within our industry? Yeah, so um, I think that that's a good bit of background there. Um, Facebook have been threatening for a little while to uh, restrict news content in Australia, and yesterday morning they pulled the trigger. Uh, But they pulled the trigger a little bit too broadly, and what's happened is that instead of just news organisations and news content being restricted, a whole bunch of other Facebook pages have had their content removed, and that affects people across the bookselling Uh, and publishing space as well. Several authors, booksellers and publishers have had their content removed, including Booktopia. Our Facebook page uh, is currently showing no posts uh, as a part of this, and it has really thrown a spanner in my plans for the things that I wanted to get done this Mm. week. I feel like I was on a roll at the beginning of this week. I was was hitting some goals. It was was, light in your eyes. There was light in my eyes. I was like getting things approved (laughs) and then suddenly this happened and uh, it ruined um, my week. But that's just how I feel personally. Um, (laughs) The implications are are bigger. It's absolutely devastating. I mean, that, that Facebook page has been building, we've got a huge amount of followers on Facebook and, um, you know, we've been build, building those followers by 
um, you know, posting bookish content probably for a decade. Yes. I mean, it's, it's not like it's not like this is a new thing for for Booktopia. We've been we've been working on this page for a really long time. There's tons of interviews. There's tons of podcasts. There's tons of amazing content on there. And I think that that volume of content is maybe how we got embroiled in this, um, you know, clearly some kind of algorithmic response to uh, try and figure out which, which companies are media companies and which companies are not. Yes, and, and a lot of, a lot of very, a, a very diverse range of pages have, have gone mm. down as part of this. So, you know, yesterday, for example, Virgin Australia went down, but Qantas didn't. Um, Harvey yeah, Norman right. went down. Some some other really really massive retailers. Uh, so mm. it's it, it's 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 interesting. F- Facebook never really shares the details of their algorithms. So we're still playing a bit of a guessing game as to yeah. what what actually is triggering it. But I think to your point, Joe, we 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 have. Um, uh, well, I think more broadly, what, what's in the DNA of our company is that we've always seen kind of the local independent bookstore as a community hub. And that's something that we've tried to replicate uh, as an online business, to be a little bit of a mm. hub for the book community, as well as being a highly accessible retailer. Uh, and so a lot of what our content has done over the years is to build a strong community of people who loves books uh, on our mm. on our social platforms. And it's important to note that it's not just retail customers. Mm. It's authors, it's publishers, it's aspiring writers, it's students it's educators it's you know non-profit organizations that we interact with uh mm. so it's 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 a it's, it's a complete community and i think that's that's what um facebook has also always been about as well at its core is building that sense of community um and uh it's really it's really interesting that they seem to have not taken account of that in this approach uh and mm. that so many people have been caught up in this in this web yeah, no, it's it's amazing. Like everyone from you know from us to um, you know satire sites like the um, Petrita Advocate was down. Um, our friends at Better Reading they had their site down for quite some time. But even some like micro communities that I'm part of have been taken down. There's a there's a an Australian country music Facebook group called Post to Wire, which is run by one guy for no money just because he loves it. That's been taken down, you know. Like it's not. It's not like they're they're tar- it's targeting people who are making money. It's um. It seems to be, regardless of size and regardless of the purpose of the page. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's um, it's a very awkward, difficult situation for a lot of people to be in. And um, you know, the the broader conversation around the media regulations that the government propo- uh, has proposed is you know another kettle of fish entirely. And um, yeah. <laughs> There's just there's yeah, a lot that's of right. layers Regardless here. Regardless yeah. of whether you whether you agree or disagree with the um, the regulation of news content on social media, it, that's that's completely irrelevant to what's actually happened. To you know, we're we're sort of like one of the less important things that have been impacted. When you look at things like um, rural fire services mm-hmm. and you know uh, places that were providing crisis support to to people in need, to have those services. Um, pulled with no notice is potentially dangerous. Yes, absolutely. And I think there's there's a there's been a lot of public relations blowback on Facebook over the mm. past twenty four hours over this, and they have been quite actively trying to restore a lot of those 
community pages and the emergency services and mm. you know the hospitals and and the and the cultural institutions that that have been affected by this um retail brands are, are obviously a little further down on their list <laughs> of priorities well, rightly so i would much yeah. rather see hospitals and you know people supplying um, essential health services up before us but you know yeah. there certainly are other retailers that are up while we're still down and other other sites that have um that have managed to get back up. It's a it's a woeful situation, and I hope that um, I hope that really makes them rethink their algorithmic processes. Yes, in some instances. Yeah, it's a huge learning experience for everyone, and and um, they are trying to untangle it. So hopefully, uh, we hopefully we'll have a little bit more clarity on on the entire situation very shortly. Mm. Anyone else going to go home and stream the social network tonight? (laughs) 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 Yeah. All right, let's move on. Um, The next item of book news is a little more joyful, I will say. Um, If you were a fan of the BBC Hulu adaptation of Sally Rooney's Normal People, uh, then we have some great Which you were, obviously. Otherwise, why are you listening to this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, the cast for the upcoming adaptation of Rooney's debut novel, Conversations with Friends, has just been revealed. Um, Protagonist Frances will be played by newcomer Alison Oliver, while her prickly best friend Bobby will be played by Sasha Lane. Uh, who you might know from films like Honey and The Miseducation of Cameron Post. I think I got the name of that right. Uh, the trendy artistic couple Nick and Melissa will be played by the favourite star Joe Alwyn, uh, also Taylor Swift's boyfriend apparently, and Jemima Kirk, who some of you might know from her turn as Jessa on Girls. I'm really keen for this one actually, as I think Conversations with Friends is better suited to adaptation than normal people. Uh, this is a book about a weird love rectangle between two young poets and an old married couple. And there's a fair bit more action and plot to match its kind of intense, introspective approach to storytelling. Uh, The tension in this book is really delicious and I really want to see it played out on screen. Um, Joe, you're a Sally Rooney fan. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. You're keen for this, I'm I'm imagining? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So Sasha Lane, Mm. I feel like I have seen her in Utopia? Was she in Utopia? I have no idea. Mark, you've got the laptop. I think she is. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm on my laptop right now. And, yeah, I'm pretty sure that she, mm. yeah, she plays Jessica Hyde in Utopia. Have you guys seen that um, that show? I have not. Are you, no. Unless you're talking about the BBC satire comedy Utopia. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't no, think um, we're talking about Utopia, the same show. Um, Utopia is a kind of a speculative um, you know, almost sci-fi like show um, about um, these kids who find a um, they find a comic book, and it's like a cult comic book that um, is apparently predicts uh, future world events. Um, they find a sequel to this cult comic book, and it apparently predicts um, a global pandemic. And as they find it and start to decipher the um, the content, uh, the pandemic starts. Uh, and the show stars uh, Sasha Lane as um, this kind of almost tank girl-esque um, warrior. And uh, John Cusack is the baddie. Uh, it's really it's really cool. Yeah, I really want to watch this now. And she is uh, from New Zealand. Is she? I yeah. thought she was American this whole time. 
Yeah, so, She's so her, cool. her dad is African American and her mom is European and Maori. So wow. that's why she's so cool looking because she's got this awesome mix of um, nationalities in her. She's really, she's really great. She's really great in Utopia, and I think that she will, um, she'll smash this. Here's a question to ask. Um, it sounds to me, just from your description, Liv, that, you, <laughs> that you're actually more excited about this beginning adapted than normal people because I have like kind of, I love normal people more I think I connected to the characters better but I do think in some ways conversations is a better book mm-hmm. and I've talked to a couple of people about this just I would I would agree with that actually yeah. I read them mm-hmm. both in quick succession and mm-hmm. I enjoyed conversations more I think for me normal people was a little bit too hyped but I had no expectations mm-hmm. for conversations with friends yeah it was just I loved I loved both of the debut. books but I I do feel like normal people was such a book that focused on the internal life of the characters Mm. And so, as you say, um, Liv, I think this one will be able to be adapted very well. Yeah. And it's being adapted by the same people. So Lenny Abramson yeah. is coming back to direct. Um, and filming's taking place later this year in Dublin, Belfast, and one would presume Italy. Because they get, all the characters go off to Italy at one point. I'm really keen. So, And I think we all are too. It's the year of Sally mm. Rooney. Oh, it really is. <laughs> So I think we should move on. Um, We've exhausted all possible news options and some of the news is kind of depressing. So let's move on. (laughs) What have we been reading? It's now time to talk about all of the wonderful books that we've been reading and loving and making room for on our bookshelves. Uh, Let's start with you, Mark. What have you been reading? So um, I recently finished reading Phosphorescence uh, because I interviewed Julia Baird on our Facebook page. (laughs) (laughs) At least we got that out of the way. I just want to make that clear. It it, it happened. It happened. Yeah, but now no one can watch it. No one can watch it until our (laughs) Facebook page is restored. But yes... um, uh, so I, I, I won't talk too much about that book because I've got other books I want to I touch on. But just to say that, you know, it, it is such, such a, a wonderful, um, such a wonderful book. Uh, the, the way that she talks about um, finding awe and wonder and making herself feel small in the world as a way of finding light and happiness uh, is just beautiful. And uh, she's, a, she's a wonderful writer and, and that book really is worth all of the hype. Um, moving on, <laughs> uh, the other book that I, that I read this week that, well, that I've been, re- been reading, as you know, I do enjoy my horror novels <laughs> and I do enjoy having a bit of a violent escape when, when things get a bit stressful. So this week I listened to the audiobook of The Rats by James Herbert. So this is a book that was published in the 1980s. James Herbert is a UK, uh, horror writer who has passed away now. And this book is just about gigantic rats that eat people and it's it's so incredibly trashy like the book basically (laughs) just flips between graphic sex scenes rats eating people sex scenes rats sex scenes rats sex scenes rats and that's that's about it um and i i really needed that this week on my commute my drive to and from work was just like yeah yeah eat that guy's face off do it and it's just i i really enjoyed it it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea um and it is just it, it it's just highly entertaining and i and i really have enjoyed it and the other book that I wanted to, to mention as well uh, is one that I've not started yet, but I received um, an advanced copy of it recently, and I'm very excited to start reading uh, Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. 
Andy Weir is, of course, the author of The Martian, uh, which was a best-selling book from several years ago that got turned into a huge film starring Matt Damon. He also wrote a follow-up novel to that called Artemis, uh, which is a crime uh, story set on the moon. And Project Hail Mary promises to be a much bigger kind of space operatic a story about an astronaut who has to uh, save save the world from from some kind of threat, which I'm not sure yet because I haven't I haven't read haven't started it. But I'm very excited to read it, especially in light of this morning's um, Mars rover successfully touching down on Mars, which I watched the live stream of with my kids this morning, and it was actually quite a quite a moving thing because I, I used to work um, at a science museum with a bunch of astronomers, and uh, they're lovely people, and they get so excited about this kind of stuff, and you can't help but join in their excitement um, because it's it's you know people dedicate their lives to building these robots and half the time they crash and they don't actually work and so to see a success like that is is really really beautiful and I think bringing it back to Andy Weir he has such respect for the science when he writes and such respect for the people who 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 do this that um, you really get a sense of that uh, in his work. And that's why I think The Martian was so successful, because he really captures the spirit of exploration, adventure, and knowledge uh, that that drives a lot of the real-life work that goes into uh, exploring the solar system. So I'm really excited about Project Hail Mary, and I'll probably um, talk more, more in depth about what it's actually about once I've read it uh, on a future podcast. But uh, that's what I've been reading. You're Phosphorescence, rats, <laughs> and space. <laughs> what a combo. Uh, thanks for that, Mark. They're mostly pretty good suggestions. I think <laughs> I'll leave the rats to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not for everyone. <laughs> I'll leave my morning commute for Gideon the Ninth, which I'm reading at the moment. It's great. Again. All right. Uh, Joe, what have you been reading and loving lately? Um, so I right now I'm reading um, the new uh, Emily Maguire. It's called Ooh. Love Object, uh, and it comes out sometime this year. Sorry, I can't give you a month. Um, it's really fascinating. It um, it follows um, a woman who has hoarding disorder, um, and uh, her niece, who has all sorts of problems of, of her own, has grown up in um, in you know a fair amount of disadvantage, and is now you know going to a fancy you know university somewhere in Sydney where um, everybody's well off and she's not. Um, and a, uh, her brother who um, has spent some time in prison and is now trying to get his life back together. Um, it's really fascinating. Um, I think that I, I, my understanding is that uh, Emily did a whole, a whole lot of research about, um, about hoarding disorder, which I think is a, um, is a, a disorder that is very much like oversimplified by the, by the public. Yeah. Um, you know, people people think about, you know, hoarders as being dirty, as being just, you know, standard crazy. Um, you know, people don't really think about the uh, motivations behind this syndrome. So it really explores what drives people to develop this syndrome and what um, what people can do to help them because I think just cleaning their house for them is apparently quite uh, traumatic. So, um, yeah, really, really interesting, really sensitively done. Uh, and I haven't finished, so I can't spoil it for you. Um, yeah, please the don't spoil. Book, <laughs> the book that I just finished reading um, is a bit of a random one. Uh, it's Trilby by George de Maurier. 
Uh, it was written in 1894. And I started reading it because, you know, when you're watching TV and someone brings up a word and you're like, where did that word come from? Uh, so the word Bengali uh, actually comes from this book, Trilby. And the word Trilby, re- huh. referring to a hat, indirectly comes from the book Trilby. <laughs> I feel so, like I uh, learnt this information, like, only recently, and then it's gone dormant in my mind, and you've just brought it back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I was last week years old when I found out those <laughs> two pieces of information. Uh, so Trilby is a young woman um, in Paris. Um, she's uh, very bohemian. She uh, sits for artists as a model in the All Together, and uh, you know that's quite scandalous. Uh, but she's very pure of heart. Um, she, however, cannot sing, cannot sing a note. <laughs> Bengali is a brilliant musician, but um, a bit of a creep. And he, um, after she kind of loses in love, he um, kind of mesmerizes her into becoming this world famous singer. Um, kind of like those guys on the TV that are like, uh, sleep now, sleep now, sleep now. Um, yeah, so really, really interesting book. Apparently the, there was a play of this book soon after it was um, written and the lead character Trilby wore a little hat and they named the hat after her. Bengali um, obviously has then become, come to represent someone who kind of has power over others. Um, another really interesting thing about this book uh, which, you know, you would pick up if you um, ever read Oliver Twist by George Dickens is it's rampantly anti-Semitic. Uh, so Bengali is Jewish. Um, you know, he has a hooked nose. He has greasy hair. Like he's very, very um, stereotypically uh, Jewish. And I think that there's like a... Um, there's a... It's implied that part of his evilness is because of that. So that's really interesting to read from a uh, modern perspective. Mm. Uh, That's certainly not my opinion. Uh, But, yeah, very, very interesting to read. And obviously the way they they portray Trilby as being um, completely powerless in her own story. She's just, you know, this little ingenue who um, has no power of her own. So, yeah, a really interesting read if problematic in places and I always love to find out the origin of uh, of words two very interesting choices there mm. nobody yeah. nobody got murdered by a rat in either of those <laughs> <laughs> no no some people got hypnotized um not quite the same you no know? and and there's uh there's certainly some uh you know not acceptable anymore uh Racial stereotyping, but no eating by rats. It does pop up and just take you by surprise in some of those old books. Yeah, like I was it reading, does. I was reading an Edith Wharton last year, and it was just like, oh, okay, I forgot about mm. this. Cool, great. And yeah, I mean, in Oliver Twist, like when you watch, um, if you if you watch that, um, I think it's like a sixties version of um, Oliver. You know, food, glorious food, Oliver. Mm. And you're like, oh yeah, Fagin's a baddie. But when you actually read the book Oliver Twist. Fagan is a baddie and a Jew. 
Um, and it's very, it's a, it's a very similar thing, you know, like the way he is portrayed as evil is the same as the way he's portrayed as being Jewish. They're kind of intertwined. Um, but you don't hear a lot of people talking about, you know, Dickens, one of the greatest writers of all time, being an anti-Semite. Yeah, it's not nice to think about, but I think it is necessary it's to not. think about. It is, it is, that you can you can admire someone's writing. He is one of my favourite authors of all time and also accept that his views, while they were acceptable at the time, are completely unacceptable now. Yeah, definitely. Oh, well, thank you, Joe. Um, like I said, very interesting choices and I have the Emily Maguire on my bedside table and I think I might pick it yes. up next. All right, over to I you. recommend it. Fabulous. Over to you, Nick. What have you been reading? I feel quite plain now in comparison to everyone else. No. <laughs> With the, we've got we've got rats. Eat, we've got a giant killer eating rats and uh, and hoarders and, and on hoarders and stuff. I've been on a bit of a, 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 a non-fiction kick lately. Um, nice. And so the book that I've actually started reading um, is uh, our recent Fab Award winner. Oh. Uncook Yourself. Um, I got a copy of it um, uh, recently because it's we've been talking about it for the last for forever it seems and uh, during the and then while the fab was going on um, it was you know becoming very clear that it was going to become a, a big front runner for it and then eventually would win it and uh, it I've been been so fascinated by not just the the actual cooking and everything <clears throat> in between it uh, within the book but also just Nat's approach to things, um, the way he kind of talks about uh, mental health and he really humanises it, which is really important. I think there's a real stigma around mental health in terms of mm. something that, you know, particularly blokes shouldn't really talk about. Um, he stuffs that right out the window. And, and that's very important to you with your book. Yes, it is very important to me with my book. Um, it's something that I very much go, yes, this needs to happen a lot more because mental health is still health. Mm. And um, the great thing about uh, about Nat is, I mean, he looks like he, he <laughs> looks and he looks absolutely terrifying. But then you actually talk to him, and he's the sweetest, kindest, nicest bloke. Um, and it comes through in the book, absolutely. Um, he swears a lot, so if you get offended by uh, by lots of f bombs, uh, sorry. But the book, <laughs> but the book's amazing um, and highly recommended, particularly if you're you're looking for something to just kind of inspire you a little bit. And he does it through cooking, which is fantastic. And his his crusade against jar sauce is fantastic. Um, and if you go to our Instagram page uh, this afternoon, uh, Nat actually recently donated his earnings uh, to Beyond Blue, um, the five thousand dollar prize, and he got a photo with someone you might have heard of her. Her name's Julia Gillard, um, who's the oh. chair of uh, who's the chair of Beyond Blue and also used to be uh, our Prime Minister, which is, I think, fantastic. I think we've hit the, that's This is the high of the Fab Award at this point. We've, we're interacting with Prime Ministers now. so. And look, I think that they are a match made in heaven, yeah. Matt and Julia, because they are both so Aussie yeah, they are. In, uh, in different ways. Like as much as she's obviously like a highly intelligent uh, politician and very high achiever, She's um she's Aussie's all get out. Yeah, yeah, she is, and yeah, it's 
it's so it's highly recommended go check out uncook yourself um our fab award winner um but the second book that i am uh, reading is one that i recently just finished um which is the other live event that we did this week fortunately it was on instagram so you can still watch it <laughs> um which was the new shani layton autobiography which comes out uh on the 23rd so next tuesday no apologies this book oh, was- i believe someone did quite a good uh, interview with Shani recently. Who was that, Nick? I don't know. Some bloke. He, some tosser? Some, some tosser. I don't know who he is. Um, well, whoever he is, he's volunteered to do a lot more live events in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think a, um, a, uh, um, a bit of a drawback of working in a bookstore is often there's not that many people that know a lot about sport. Um, so, you know, Nick is just a godsend in that, in that respect. Shucks. Stop and it. in a lot of other respects too, obviously. Oh, yeah, stop it. <laughs> stop it. I've gone bright red. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I'll, I'll happily take the role of Booktopia's resident sports nerd. Um, but she was an absolute joy, uh, to talk to, um, she incredibly high achieving athlete, um, achieve, uh, she's won two world cups, uh, won multiple championships, um, has over 140 NBL, uh, netball caps, uh, to her name. And her story is amazing because she dealt with a lot of mental health issues throughout her entire life. Um, but what was really, uh, telling about this book, um, it is obviously there's, there's no BS, um, to it at all. She tells it like it is. She does offer a couple of tiny specific apologies to particular moments where she pissed people off. But everything else is she just goes all out and talks about how things are. And she does you know, make a, a statement as well, not just about uh, her space, but everything, but also the actual um, place, the, the actual nature of the sporting environment, how the sporting environment can actually be a very mentally draining place. And uh, this is something personally, because I come from a background covering this stuff, that I um, absolutely advocate for change in, because a lot of people just assume that you see what happens out on the field and that's it, which is absolutely not true. The the constant pressure to perform, the, the pressure of retirement, the fact that one injury and your entire career is gone. Um, and that is something that is often not talked about, how suddenly there is a very high-profile up-and-coming athlete. They suffer a very bad injury, and the following year they are basically back at square one. They have – their career is over. This is not something that lasts forever. And that is a very intense thing to think about. Um, she she lays it all out and talks about her recovery um, especially around her mental health. And it's a book that I highly, highly recommend, particularly if you are a sports fan. doesn't matter if you have never watched an AFL game or watched a netball game. Um, If you are a sports fan, this is a a book highly recommended for you. Yeah, and I just want to say, um, if you check out Nick's interview... Forgive the background noise if you're hearing any. Um, uh, if you want to check out Nick's interview on our Instagram page, it's a great, um, it's a great chat and re- really insightful stuff from, from Shani. Uh, yeah, well yeah. worth watching. Yeah. Also, just a side note, how many like, multi-talented female athletes there are in this country? Like, there's at least Perry like, across yeah. multiple sports. Female athletes kick male athletes to the curb in Australia. <laughs> I'm not and even I joking. Think that that's, I think that that's kind of a... Um, partly because it's so difficult to get funding is yeah, that not definitely. correct nick that yeah. like you know a lot of a lot of female athletes still have to work where their male counterparts you know yes. have 
full-time, you know, that they can do sport full-time. So they yes. kind of have to have a summer sport and a winter sport to yes. keep them going. Yes, absolutely. It's very difficult to be a mm. professional female athlete. However, it's, it, it is interesting, like, there is talk about – Shani does talk about how – Back when she was growing up in this book, um, she was inspired watching the 96 Olympics and mm-hmm. particularly the story of uh, an equestrian rider because she did a lot of equestrian called Gillian Rolton who uh, rode a cross-country course with a broken collarbone and several broken ribs and just so Australia could win gold. And yeah. then, then she'd watch the likes of Kathy Freeman um, in mm-hmm. Sydney. And this would actually also – and she then mentioned that um, – that then you wouldn't see these athletes for four years until yeah. the next Olympics. That is definitely changed now because uh, women's sport is becoming increasingly high profile and people are actually recognizing it as something that not only is of high quality, but there is an audience for. Um, mm. But in terms of uh, becoming a full-time professional career, a lot of work mm. still needs to be done. Um, yeah, it's great to see progress being made. But yes. yeah, we've got lots to uh, lots to still do, huh? Yeah, but a lot of that progress comes from people like Shani talking about it and getting yep. out there about it. And so, yeah, can't recommend this book highly enough. That's amazing. Thanks so much, Nick. Um, and we very much value you as our sports person. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Considering how many sports autobiographies there are and the fact that they're... <laughs> No, how, how many how many non-sport nerds there are? I feel like we all need to lift yeah. our game a bit. <laughs> uh, speaking of lifting our game, it can tribute- I just can I just pull um pull one piece of of it's not really news but yeah. one little interesting thing forward that I want to talk about. Yeah, sure. Um, on Thursday it was Toni Morrison's birthday. Yeah. Um, which I have been remembering how much I love Toni Morrison recently because I've been watching uh, Fran Leibowitz's Pretend It's a City. I don't know if any of you guys oh, have watched yeah, that yeah. as well. Yeah, and Fran, um, you know, in among, interspersed amongst all of the um, the footage of Fran and uh, Martin Scorsese, there's also some fantastic footage of Fran and Toni Morrison, which is absolutely gorgeous. So it's really lovely today to remember that it was Toni Morrison's birthday on Thursday and all of those fantastic books that she gave us. Yeah, she was phenomenal, honestly. Yeah. I think I cried when she died. I woke up and yeah, saw the news and, I, and like, there were actual tears. Yeah, I remember. We were all, I think mm. you and I were working together um, at yeah. that time, Olivia, and, um, you know, it was a great loss to the world. She's, she's one of my favourites. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> Okay. Sorry for interrupting. No, no, no. It's <laughs> That's actually a really we important stuff thing. stuff about books. <laughs> oh, interrupting about with book news and a book podcast. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> all right. So let is, let's now move on to Book Fight, uh, the weekly book trivia quiz we all love to hate. Um, since when? <laughs> since I had to spend like an hour thinking up interesting and, and unusual and original questions, Mark. Uh, I love delegating. You've stepped up. You've stepped up your game on the question front. I need to. I need to step up my game. Every time I host, I just feel inadequate compared to your questions. Thanks, guys. Don't make me write the quiz every week. <laughs> All right. So I will be asking some tricky bookish questions, and our unlucky contestants will have to battle it out to get the correct answer in first. Can I please have all of your buzzer words? Uh, I'm going to go Tony. 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 Not for our fearless leader, Tony Nash, but actually for Tony Morrison. <laughs> Obviously. But maybe a bit of both. Maybe a bit of both. Uh, yeah. Mark, I'm assuming you're going to be rats. 
Yeah, how did you know? Uh, just a hunch. <laughs> Good. Um, I, I ter- I'm terrified to say gnat because it would sound too similar to rat. <laughs> uh, you could say like jar. Jar. Yeah, we'll jar. go for jar sauce. Right. Yeah. Tony, rats, jar. We're an interesting lot here at Booktopia. <laughs> a, rat, a jar of tiny rats. Ooh. Perhaps not. <laughs> All right, question one. A gentleman in Moscow author, Amor Towles, is releasing a new novel this October. What is it called? Oh, you mentioned this earlier this week. Yeah, uh, I did. The Lincoln Highway. Yes. Sorry, Tony, The Lincoln Highway. Yes, Joe is correct, The Lincoln Highway. What's it about, Liv? You know? I skimmed the email. Um, <laughs> yes, so did it is I. set I'm in excited. San Francisco, I think, in the 1950s, which is a world away oh, from cool. Stalin era Russia. Um, mm. but so hopefully it'll be like um, on the road, but without all the sexism. Yeah, you would hope. <laughs> no, I never finished on the road. And like, oh, don't. Young teenage me was like, I don't understand why I don't like this novel. Turns out yeah, it's because it's rampantly sexist, even <laughs> for its time. Oh, man. Right, so that's one point to Joe. Question two. This one might be a bit tricky. Um, how many Bridgerton books are there in the Booktopia top ten right now? Uh, uh, Tony, uh, I'm going to take a guess. Yes, Joe? Uh, I would say in the top ten, is it? Yeah. Are I would Googling say – no, I'm not. I would say four. You are very close. I did also hear a jar. Yeah, I was going to say five. Nick would be correct. There are five ah. Bridgerton books in the top ten right now. That's insane. I know. Is and that if, is that all of them? No, there's uh, no, there's eight. Uh, there's eight, eight, eight and then one like um, extra one. Extra book. I was unsure if it was five or seven because I know that there was like there was a lot. There was a lot up there at yeah. one point. In order, they yeah. are the Viscount who loved me, the Duke and I, an offer from a gentleman, romancing Mr. Bridgerton, and to Sir Philip with love. See, if I had written is that question, who I loved me? Is that is that um, book two by yeah. chance? Yeah, that's really interesting because the series is is based on the Duke and I, so it's. Mm. Well, I'm guessing that, that people have that finished people the like, first they book wanted, and are moving yeah, on to the Yeah, they want to know what happens next, right? Yeah. Very interesting. Mm. Oh, that reminds me. There's another bit of casting news. They've – oh, what is her name? Simone, they've, they've cast the main actress in the second series, and I cannot remember her name, but we will move on. Um, yeah. Question three. Which British Prime Minister was awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature? Ja. Nick. I know Winston Churchill did a whole bunch of extracurricular stuff, so I'm going to go him. Is it Winston Churchill? It is Winston Churchill. Mm. Oh, thank it God in... it wasn't Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, please don't be Thatcher. Please don't be Thatcher. No, she got the Peace Prize, Joe. Yeah, and hopefully not Boris Johnson either. Oh, oh. Definitely not. <laughs> he won it in 1953 for his mastery of historical and biographical description, as well as for brilliant oratory in defending exalted human values. That's a lot of words for just saying he's good at writing speeches and performing them. Mm. Anyway. So, sounds a charm. Wait, who got that? That was Nick. <laughs> All right. Question. Oh, Mark's. Mark's got no points and he's looking very sad. I, I'm oh, sad. I, no, I'm so not sad because of the points. I'm, I'm sad for other reasons. It's fine. We can move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question four. What was the original title of Jane Austen's most famous novel, Pride and Prejudice? <laughs> Rats. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, I don't know this. I'm making a Seinfeld joke. War, what is it good for? <laughs> what? It's a Seinfeld joke. That, that's, that, don't worry. Okay. <laughs> Um, 
No, it was not Cold War. <laughs> what is it good for? I heard someone else, or was that just my imagination? I just said, and zombies. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing. I got nothing. It's really kind of boring. It was called First Impressions. So that's mm. Yeah, zero I think Pride and Prejudice is better. Dull. Yeah. How cool. Where's my questions? All right. <clears throat> Question five. In Margaret Atwood's 2019 sequel to The Handmaid's Tale, called The Testaments, which major character is revealed to have been a spy for the May Day Resistance group? Um, it's the mother. Wasn't it? The mother of the girl. <laughs> the mother of the girl. Mean, you? I can't remember anyone's names. <laughs> uh, you are uh, unfortunately wrong, Joe. Okay. Open this up to Nick and Mark. I, I have I have it. It's on my to read pile. I haven't read it, so I have no idea what happens in it. I just know that it's meant to be amazing, and it's, it's pretty good. I'll get to it at some point. So I don't know is is my answer. Okay, I'm looking at the back of it now. <laughs> Nick is looking at me with like total. You, you're like you, you, you're gonna. I'm just waiting for you to be like Nick. Do you have the answer? And I'm like not a bloody clue. <laughs> <laughs> I is read this, the book. Is yeah, I read a, it then. Is this a huge spoiler that you're about to give the out? The book is like three years old now. Two years old now. I don't care. <laughs> All right. No. Uh, it is Aunt Lydia. Of course it was. Do you even know who Aunt Lydia is? <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, that was to Nick because he was just like, but that oh, is yeah. a massive spoiler for well, anyone who hasn't read that book. Like, like me, for example. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Liv. <laughs> it's fine. You find out from like the first chapter. Okay. You do. So it's fine. Good. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I feel really bad now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. It's fine. <laughs> right, question six. Mark, this is your chance. Oh, God. Which novel by Ursula K. Le Guin won both all three of the Hugo, Nebula, and Locus uh, Awards? Rats. Yes. The Left Hand of Darkness. No. Oh damn. <laughs> this is embarrassing for you. Well, I've I've actually never read I've never read her. I know, shocking. This is again another episode I, of this like... podcast where it's like Mark hasn't read hugely famous, well-regarded author slash book. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. Uh, anyone else? Nope. Nope. It was the dispossessed. 1974. Oh. All right. I feel really bad. These questions are hard. <laughs> no, I don't. Who am I? I was born on October 16th, 1854 in Dublin, Ireland. My father was the country's leading ear and eye surgeon and my mother was a revolutionary poet. Later, I studied as a classical scholar at Trinity College and Magdalen College in Oxford. Rats. Oh. I heard rats first. Right. Is it James Joyce? No, it is not. Oh, that was going to be Yeah, amazing. I was going to say that too, but I didn't want to be wrong and look dumb. Well, as soon as I say, like, the novel, you'll all know. So I'm trying to, like, not okay. lead up to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the 1880s, I became a spokesman for the aesthetic art, mo art movement, which celebrated art for art's sake. And I was equally lauded and derided for it in London's literary circles. Uh, I married in 1884 and had two children. Um, a few years later, I published a book for children called The Happy Prince and Other Tales. In the last decade oh, of my um, life, um, oh no, not that one. No, never mind. I didn't say I didn't say tiny, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> In the last decade of my life, I wrote the only novel I would ever write, though I published many comedic plays. No. Ah, <laughs> oh, um, Tony. Yes, Joe. Is it um, is it Oscar Wilde? It is indeed Oscar Wilde. Yay! As Hooray! soon as I said, um, you know, like. The picture the of Dorian Gray. Then, yeah, like, exactly. Everyone would but when you said, 
Yeah, because I remember as a teenager being like, oh, Oscar Wilde's a famous guy. I'm going to go and read all his novels. And then I was like, oh, (laughs) that's a shame, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. So some of those, that novel is obviously the picture of Dorian Gray. He published plays like Lady Windermere's Fan and The Importance of Being Earnest. Um, And he was arrested for sodomy in 1895, was made to stand trial, was found guilty and sentenced to two years hard labor. And then he died. That's, like a year later. Yeah, I uh, I um I actually made like a joke about uh, about the portrait of Dorian Gray this week because I, I was in a meeting with someone and I mentioned that I had a kid and um the person I was in the meeting with who I won't name uh, was really surprised. She was like, "I'm really really shook," like because I thought you were 25. And I'm like, "Well, there's a portrait of me in an attic somewhere." <laughs> but, she didn't get it. Oh, that's upsetting. It was oh, a waste. That's a shame. Yeah. You didn't get this question either. I didn't get this question either. I know. I had a shocker today. Oh. But I guess that's poetic justice for me being so mean. I'm doing air quotes mean yeah. with, with all the questions that I used to write uh, last year. So it's fair. It's true. All right. Well, before I read out the last question, um, there's a bit of a tie going on between Nick and Joe. You're both on two points and Marcus Ooh. on zero. So I really hope someone gets this last question. I'm a bit concerned is it worth three points is it about sport no <laughs> so that would have been a good choice is it about is it about it's most definitely not about, is it about cooking or anything else that i know that i'm never going to win you might know this nick do not do not put yourself down all right <clears throat> what was the name given to the famous circle of english writers philosophers and artists who frequently Tony. yes the bloomsbury set you are correct joe well done Woo-hoo. Uh, Bloom, Bloomsbury set included Virginia Woolf, E.M. Forster, Clive and Vanessa Bell, um, Leonard Woolf, like it was a whole thing. And I think they started a publishing house, which is why we now have Bloomsbury. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So that is the end of Book Fight and Joe is our illustrious winner. Well done, Joe. Yay, Yay me. Woo-hoo. Well done, Joe. I am the best. You all suck. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, that's, that's, that's two for two that the people who've dialed in have actually gone on to win the, win the actual Yeah. Season. And with yeah. that, it was impressive because so there was the like a five-second lag. The expression was mm. just phoning it in. <laughs> yeah. It uh, doesn't apply in this case. It's because nobody can see you Googling. <laughs> <laughs> She got Bloomsbury Group really quickly. Yeah, she did. Yeah, and even like if I Googled that, that wouldn't have come up. I just know the way, um, I know the way Olivia's mind works. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking a lot about that time period because I'm like neck deep in writing my thesis right now and I want to die. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like that question was on, like that, the answer to that question was on brand for Olivia. Yeah. So. And there wasn't a single Bronte-related question mark I, yeah, yeah, well done. And I've only read one Austin. book by a Bronte. Yeah. Everyone always is surprised by that. I mean, there was Jane Austen, but, you know. Yeah, well. Yeah. yeah. She's not made of stone. Come on. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thank you, guys. That's all we have time for this week. Uh, thank you to Mark, Joe, and Nick for joining me today on The Weekend Booktopian. And thanks to all of our wonderful listeners who tune in every single week. Uh, the Weekend Booktopian is produced by Nick Wasiliev, and you can find more episodes of this show, as well as other fun podcasts, on our SoundCloud and Apple podcast channels. Uh, you can also but find not on Facebook. But not on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want book news, you can head to the Booktopian blog, where you'll find Q&As with fantasy author Samantha Shannon and a non-fiction Q&A with Randa Abdel-Fattah. Uh, thank you for listening, and never stop reading.
Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces, and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast, and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.